Welcome to the Meltzone Podcast from March 16th, 2019. I'm still a bit sick. And I'm Stefan. <laughs> and welcome to the Meltzone Podcast. Uh, on today's podcast, Tom will talk about his visit of Make Munich that he also already made two videos on. And I'm quite jealous or envious of the projects he has seen there. Um, there was three videos. On the topic of expos and meetups, Murph is going to be in two weeks and we are both going to be there. Probably also recording our next episode podcast on the way there or probably on the way back in the car. <laughs> uh, I've currently been experimenting a little bit with threaded inserts and there will be a video coming up there. So I'll talk a little bit about what my experience has already been there. Um, and then on the news section, the E3D Super Volcano is finally out, a hot end that can melt 10 times the material as a standard um, E3D V6 hot end for your new crazy big parts. Yeah, the, the, there still seems to be a bit of disagreement whether it's 10 or 11 times. Also, Fiat has announced a customizable car that has 3D printed add-ons that you can use to make the car your own. There's a quick update on the filament frenzy and artillery 3D photo stealing false advertising thing. In other news, there's been a data leak by Gearbest and an update on article 13 on whether or not YouTube is going to get banned. And the big topic of this week's episode, how can you make money with 3D printing today? Um, what are the avenues you can go down and should not go down when it comes to earning some money or earning a living with 3D printing and maker services? So yeah. you have been to Make Munich, like yeah. one and a you, half. You have, I have, you not have not been there. <laughs> you missed it. I was too shy. <laughs> <laughs> well for, for you it's a, it's a two-hour drive right it's yeah it's a two-hour drive where, where has it actually been because i have seen the pictures and it kind of reminded me of one of these old industrial places where i was listening to a concert a couple of years yeah, ago yeah it's it's typically a, a concert hall it's the zenith ah, um, yeah. in munich so that's uh, that is something that is typically used as you know for for concert for concerts and you do definitely see that yeah um but yeah it's been there for a few years it's a it's a great venue um you've probably seen some of the things that the make munich had right i have seen your videos and i wanted to get each of these items <laughs> to be honest <laughs> no the the pcb mill was looking so oh, yeah. great the pcbs looked awesome the uh, 3d scanner was something great and the shaper is just a really cool tool yeah the i guess the, the overall trend that i was noticing was that 3d printing the a few years ago or three years ago or so 3d printing was half of the make munich Half mm -hmm. of the event. And I think it was the same at, at other maker fairs. Though again, the Make Munich is not a maker fair because Maker Fair is a brand of Make magazine or the Make Make mm -hmm. Maker Maker Media. Um but yeah, the Make Munich. And it's it's great to see that 3D printing is now just a tool for people that they use. There were so many booths there that had nothing to do with 3D printing, as in they were not showing off a machine or a business that was running around that they were just using 3D printed parts. That they made that that I think is is amazing. Yeah, that is really cool because yeah, as you've just said, um, 
maker fairs used to be just showing the latest 3D printers. Now it's showing things that you can, well, use to manufacture them with 3D printers. And that's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, so uh, with with the shaper, so that I, I think that was my highlight, even though not everyone seems to get the shaper, uh, as in to, to understand what the mm -hmm. shaper is about. Not everyone seems to get it. Um, and I recognize that, yeah, there's the tape that's like $18 per spool, which for tape apparently is not that expensive. And when you consider how much wood that is mm -hmm. good for, like your wood also costs something, and that typically is way more than an $18 roll of tape. Um, that first of all, the machine itself is twenty five hundred dollars. I'm not sure how much it's going to be in Europe. It is coming to Europe. They are working on that. Um, but yeah, that 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 price tag seems to be quite hard to to swallow for a few. But then again, if you look at how much a CNC mill is, even one, if you look at a, a solid desktop router, portal router that can handle maybe like eighty by a meter. 80 centimeters by meter. That is easily 2,500 euros. Yeah, it's definitely. And, so, and this, this thing is so nicely sizable. You can use it for like small parts. But if you want to like CNC out a door or something like that. Totally. It's totally possible with it. And the, the great thing is, I think it's it's much more versatile than a, a CNC router is when it comes to, you know, well... Okay, there's the, it's still a router. It still needs to write on your workpiece. So some mm. geometries where you have to route out huge pockets are not going to work because your router is going to drop in and tilt. Mm. But um, it's it, it can do much larger things. The accuracy looks extremely good for mm -hmm. just being an optical system. Um, the mates that we're showing, um, it's, it's in the video as well, where they have like finger joints. Yeah. Those fit mm, really well. And the thing is also, it's so much easier to use than a CNC. I mean, if you've ever done the workflow through Fusion, try explaining that to like a carpenter. <laughs> try showing them, hey, you know, you just make this drawing in Fusion and you uh, uh, you do this cam and you set the feed. They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you can use the shaper to, to do some like um, simple shapes and also use their web um, service that they have to download a couple of things and well really use that uh, but uh, is it isn't it still the case that you only get most of the potential out of that machine if you know how to use uh like fusion 360 or inkscape or or illustrator it's so so using those tools to create the the svgs the vector files the design files for that surely is like the top high-end mm. application for that if you want to have really complex shapes that you want to route out but the thing is the the amount of designing that you can do on the machine itself um i've the, the screen was quite hard to see in the video but you you basically you get either a grid or a free handing mm. uh, version where you can draw out patterns and shapes on your actual object and then it routes those out perfectly. So you can perfectly size those on a grid, for example, um, and reuse them and mm -hmm. just reapply them everywhere. Of course, that, that does sound like using a traditional router with a follower bit kind of. But there, there, there's there's so much more that you can do with a, with a computer-supported tool. Plus, the thing is also with the online library. Now, again, I don't know how much there's already in there. I don't know how much... Uh, manufacturers have already worked with them mm. to get like um, what they were showing that that flip out hinge that was just perfectly routed in or door hinges and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, 
if that fills up, mm. that can be amazing because you, you just have your off-the-shelf parts mm. from manufacturer X and you get the perfect fit on the shape and you just plop it down, you route it out, and it's a perfect fit every time. That that can be that can be quite amazing. Yeah, I imagine that. And it's way easier to to set up like a CNC router because you don't need to do the cam on your own and everything that is connected uh, there. What I was wondering, um, so the guy you've been talking to also said that it is capable of routing metals. Have yes. you seen something like that? <laughs> I have n well, I've not seen the Shaper Origin. That's the full product name. Shaper is the company, Shaper Tools. Uh, I've not seen it route metal in person, but they do claim on their website that it routes aluminum. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, which for a handheld tool, I think yeah. that's the biggest limiting factor. I don't think like the, the, the spindle or the tools mm. or anything are limited. It's just how steadily you can hold the machine mm. over a piece of aluminum because yeah. you do generate cutting forces. Yeah. Um, The computer correction, of course, does help with that a lot. Um, it's Aluminum is probably pushing it. Mm -hmm. Though, if a US company says you can do something, you, you can probably do it because they're <laughs> going to get sued if, you, if they're not living up to their promises. Yeah, I, I can think that. And, well, routing aluminum is probably not the application you would usually use such a machine for. But it's, it's that nice extension of your, your workable materials mm -hmm. where it's not just woods because everything else is a flammable uh moisture sensitive non-conductive material as in plywoods or mm. hardwoods or anything uh as soon as you have aluminum you have like a, a whole different uh grade and, and and category of materials that you have even if even though it's just aluminum it's not steel it's not anything fancy but still yeah pretty nice yeah, machine so yeah I, I'm hoping I'm, I'm going to be able to try one out here. Um, <laughs> I, the thing is always, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for the product to be more widely available. It's been mm. out in the US for a while, but I, I kind of want it to be out in the, in the EU as mm. well. So um, actually, at the time it comes out in the EU, it might also be out in, in Britain. If they're still out in the EU, if not, <laughs> then that's going to be a different story. Uh, <laughs> What a what a tragic story. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, I'm, I'm hoping to, to get a shaper at some point. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm still fascinated by by like the, the experience. Mm. It's hard to convey in words yeah. and in video how 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 I don't want to say magic, but how fantastic it feels. You have that tool and you you move it roughly in the in the right shape, and it corrects and you get a perfect fit in the end. It's mm. It's quite something. But it only does um, 2.5 axis uh, or 2.5D CNCing. Is there also um, a way to do like full 3D CNC with using like an SDL? Um, so currently it's only SVG. So I don't think you can get okay. an actual um, like full 3D mm. smooth top um pattern out of it though they are saying that you can like engrave coins from the size and ah, the okay. thing is the the actuation range on the tool itself because i mean the mm -hmm. router the actual spindle let's let's mm -hmm. put it like that the actual spindle moves around it has 30 millimeters diameter and it goes of course the full z depth so if you have something that is that size of a coin i think it could autonomously 3d engrave it and you mm. just hold it in place mm. for the entire duration that could technically be something that that could be done but I'm, i don't think they're implementing it okay i have implemented it okay interesting yeah so you've also been well 
playing around with your own PCB uh, PCBs lately. Um, the PCB router they showed there it was it was amazing to see what kind of details they were able to make. Yeah, the Ant CNC uh, Ant Compact CNC, mm -hmm. fascinating. Out of a belt driven Core XY system. I think that they they've done a great job. They, they, they kept saying like it's it's about three hundred dollars euros mm. or something to build, um, but I think a lot of that goes into just making it precise and and kind of well run out free enough mm. um, to be able to to mill those those fine traces and and it, that what they were showing with, as far as what they can achieve with that machine was absolutely fantastic. But the main difference uh, in comparison to what you have already been doing is that they use a proper chuck for better accuracy for well less runout and the like three-dimensional leveling they perform or is it is it something else it's i think it's a combination of, of things so i've i've routed on the science i guess i should mispronounce <laughs> it um <laughs> Which has lead screws, so lead screws always mm. have backlash, backlash, even though they use like backlash compensating nuts, which is nah. bullshit. Uh, yeah. It's it's a little puny spring. Um, so the NCNC is fully belt driven, which is a, a very low backlash system by nature. Um, that is a huge bit, and it doesn't use like a massive um, trim router to mm. to to do it. So uh, what I have on the on the C is. <laughs> Uh, it's basically a, a, a crude woodworking tool. Yeah. The, the, the stock quality is pretty good, but then you have to use an adapter quality uh, for yeah. finer bits. Mm. And it just creates a ton of runout. And it's just not made for these fine things. Mm. And on the NCNC, they have like a custom-made spindle. Mm -hmm. So as in not just the, the spindle, not just in the motor, but the actual uh, guiding of mm. your spindle 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 um and they have a, a super tiny er8 chuck which is mm. a collet chuck and those typically are very precise when it mm. comes to uh to clamping something with little runout so well if you think about you have a that, router with the capability of one kilowatt in there and you need for like routing one watt five watts i don't know it's yeah, kind of an overkill yeah um and of course you also mentioned leveling yes mm. they they so the fascinating thing about this is a lot of it, a lot of the, the awesomeness of the machine is being done through the software and that is BCNC. That's an open source software mm -hmm. that they, they're using for this. Um, so that's handling the leveling through an electrical probe. Mm -hmm. So that's just being stuck onto um, your tool and it makes contact with the PCB. Very simple stuff. But it also does optical tracking. If you put a camera on there, you can actually track individual um, through holes basically and align a double-sided PCB or board <sighs> that way so that's that's quite nice i was so much thinking i want to have one of these <laughs> just build one <laughs> yeah well, okay they, they don't have the bomb out yet uh, um, we're still but, working on, on okay. polishing up their project but it's gonna be open source um in the next yeah. couple of months yeah definitely cool if i mean release early release often release unfinished stuff preferably mm -hmm. um they're not doing that they're kind of making sure that it's done first um, but yeah, it is open source. I think some files you can already download as okay. far as 3D printed files. It's just the, the full bomb and the full exact components that you're supposed to use aren't out there yet. Okay. 
Do you think it's maybe possible to just mod a normal normal old 3D printer and just use their software? For sure. Well, okay, the thing is, BCNC is not their software. It's an open source software that's yeah. already out there. So for sure. Because that would yeah. make things way easier. So if you only use like the capabilities of the soft and firmware and just strap a smaller router dremel thing whatever um on your 3d printer um that might make that a a really cheap alternative instead yeah. of like recreating the whole motion system yeah um though the the idea with the ncnc is it, it's the, that it's a tool made for the job so mm. it's a tool that just does pcbs mm. and does pcbs really well um i've converted a 3d printer to a router or a mill the the mendel max 2 3 3 Three. Um, and I put like one of those 400 watt ER11, which is just a, a mm. motor with a with a chuck uh, mm. screwed on there. I've used that. Um, I've had to reinforce the frame, or to be more accurate, my Padawan has mm. that machine right now. He's been reinforcing the frame to make it work um, because the goal with that machine was to route aluminum. Yeah, the Mendel Max has always been, oh, this is a 3D printer, but it's like actually a super overbuilt machine. Um, so <laughs> I was like, okay, let's let's put it to the test then. So yeah, that that's it's not a particularly awesome machine, though I'm sure if you use lighter components, so if you don't use that one kilo um, spindle with the ER11 chuck, but use something like what they're doing on the Ancinci, which is a small, tiny mm. quadcopter brushless motor. Um, and then yeah, you, you could probably do pretty much anything on, on a 3D printer as well. Cool. Will we be seeing anything else from Make Munich? No. No. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so then speaking of expositions and maker fairs and everything that is connected to that, Murph's gonna be in two weeks. So yeah, shit. Two weeks Actually, from in now. In fact, in, in two weeks, we are going to be in... We Atlantic. are we're somewhere over the, the Atlanti Atlantic Ocean, probably at that time of uh, recording. Yeah, somewhere in the uh, North American tundra. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Murph, Murph is just such a, a fascinating event because it's it's in Goshen, which has like a university or something. It has a campus, but it's like you're, you're just nowhere. You're three hours away from every major town. Um and yet, yet there's like a bunch of, of people super enthusiastic about 3D printing. Yeah, I'm great. I'm really looking forward to. So um, I'm kind of a bit nervous. I have to be really honest. <laughs> but I think it's going to work out in the end. It's just so many people there. Uh, many probably know you. Uh, you probably don't know kind of anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's just how I mean, it is. You, yeah, you have uh, you have been releasing your ground <laughs> rules this week, and I highly appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's the these sort of fairs, whether it's Murph, whether it's um, you know Maker fairs, are full of socially awkward people, me included, um, and <laughs> you know, not everyone knows like a. Uh, a nonchalant way of like talking to someone and like sliding into a conversation so you, you get a lot of awkward encounters it's just the nature of, of things mm. um none of them are in bad spirit you know that they all are done with the uh, best of intentions but sometimes it's just like you think like dude please can we can we please not shake hands in the bathroom <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, what what I did is just you know write out on Twitter like, hey, okay, these things, please like maybe if if you read through this, keep in mind like if if I'm holding up a camera, please don't disturb me while I'm working. Mm-hmm. I don't want to shake hands in the bathroom. That's just no, sorry. Um, just to make to make the event a bit more relaxed and and to to kind of tell people what what to expect because it, it does get it does get stressy. Yeah, um, I can totally imagine that. And I, I don't want to sound like a diva, obviously, um, guys. Please, if if you see me and if I'm if I'm just casually walking around, please still do do approach me. Uh, no handshakes. You, you are gonna get a pat on the back if you're into okay. that. Um, but yeah, hygienic fist bump. Fist bump the the, the elbow bump. The elbow is something bump. Something that is ah, okay. Uh, that it is coming around. <laughs> I've not seen it used anywhere yet, um, but maybe maybe we can establish that. Yeah, I. I th- think well since i always want to be polite i think i'll still maybe <laughs> get get in a handshake or two but i i'm I have already been purchasing some hand sanitizer to carry around <laughs> it's not like yeah uh, well yeah it's the thing it's currently it's still winter spring is starting yeah and, i mean people have been saying oh yeah if you don't like handshakes just learn to wash your hands and i'm like Dude, if on the way to the bathroom I shake hands with twenty people, and on the way back there's another twenty people waiting on me, mm. like washing hands doesn't do a whole lot there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and again, I I'm just recovering from being sick from Make Munich. Um, yeah. I don't want to get into the next thing, and it's it's, <laughs> it's every event I walk out feeling fine, but then like two or three days later, it's like body goes into shutdown. Yes. Um. But Should also we record our yeah next continue. episode from from Murph? Yeah, or from somewhere. You have already been suggesting maybe recording it on our way home. Um, so we're gonna be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday morning. We'll drive back to Chicago. Yeah. So there is a three-hour drive waiting for some entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's uh, i mean u.s speed limits you're not driving super fast like you're not gonna have a, a ton of noise in the car um well we gotta see what what kind of car they, they're gonna give me um i might need to ask for an upgrade we'll, we'll see what we get <laughs> I, um, i'll pay for the upgrade you already paid <laughs> like the standard price so <laughs> <laughs> we are going to need to see about the the toll roads though because like that the cheaper cars typically don't come with a toll road transponder and like ah, yeah. paying that at the booth is like a super a super hassle um <laughs> and typically they're like oh yeah here's like a 20 dollar upgrade and you have a mustang that's what happened to me um when i drove out to <laughs> uh to brook after the bay area maker fair but then i don't <laughs> then i'm not sure if we will be able to record anything if we have the muscle car <laughs> sound in the background all of the time <laughs> Yeah, true, true. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe in the car we, we can record our our fresh thoughts on the event if we still have a voice. Uh, oh yeah, right, mm. right. <laughs> but the, there is there is going to be coverage from her for sure. Um, what, what I'm planning on is just doing a walk around with the phone out, um, laugh mic on me, obviously, and and being able to to show people around live on YouTube. Supposedly, there's going to be a streamer specific Wi-Fi at Murph cool so that's I'm looking forward to that um so that's something that that I want to do Saturday morning just to mm. to get like people's opinion on on what I should look into what people mm. what gets people excited and then of course I'm going to be shooting videos and and hopefully you're going to be helping me a bit uh nah. with that, if you're up for it 
definitely so i'm i don't know um I, I'm not 100% sure if I'll be filming something, well, like interviews on my own. I don't know if I really feel comfortable doing that, but I... Ah, you'll be fine. Ah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I, I might need to get into the spirit. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, I think I'll still be doing something like a vlog or at least showing the things that really interested me mm. here you're saying you're not comfortable with doing interviews and yet you're comfortable vlogging that's one of the most <laughs> awkward things to do in public i think walking around with the camera talking to it like hey, nah. yeah. well uh maybe then vlogging is like the wrong name for that but like just just filming a couple of interesting right. things and make doing some b-roll and talking about that in a voiceover later we'll see we'll see um i'm not a huge fan of planning so <laughs> i'll just take everything yeah. with me and uh see how it turns out did you actually get a, a special sim or a special plan for being in the u.s or I will. I will not get anything. I've looked into what you have, what you can get. Uh, I think T-Mobile has a few offerings. It's like a traveler's prepaid thing that is forty-five bucks whenever you activate it, and you get like two gigs of data or something. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, last year was fine, just loading the the Google Maps data um, onto my phone and navigating with that. And then you have Wi-Fi at the hotel, you have mm. Wi-Fi at the airport, you have Wi-Fi at the event. Mm. It's all right. I, I don't think I'll be needing mm. much mobile data. And navigating on US roads is pretty simple. Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, on the entire uh, on the entire route from, from the Chicago airport to Goshen, I think it's like five or six turns you have to take. Um, <laughs> it's not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, for, for, for you listeners uh, from the US or somewhere, roaming for Germans in non-EU countries is ridiculously expensive. It's like one or two euros per megabyte of data used plus euro 50 per minute of, of uh, outgoing calls. It is ridiculous. So mm. I just turn off data completely. Um, I don't make phone calls. I just have the phone in case I need to dial 911. Uh, that's all I use it for. And of course, offline Google Maps. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to two weeks, so... It's gonna be yeah, it's it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great, yeah. <laughs> it's it's gonna be exhausting. I mean, make no mistake. The, I I try to re to relax for the next two weeks that I have full power to be there to be there for three days. Uh, I need to see how I can or how my voice can handle that because usually after like talking for an hour or two, my throat gets so sore. But um, yeah gonna get some something to how do you say bonbons in 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 english uh something oh. to, <laughs> cough drops i guess cough is that, drops no, is is that is that the thing you yeah yeah right uh i don't know cough drops yeah yeah cough drops cough drops sure. yeah i'll get some some really nice cough drops to uh yeah, get my my voice really like uh, oiled. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> this this episode is sponsored by water. Drink more, guys. Stay hydrated. I'm definitely gonna be, bring this thing. I'm gonna bring a, a carabiner. 
and just carried it around on my backpack. One liter of water. Well, it's, it, I guess technically it's like 984 milliliters because this is a US size, but big water bottle. That's that's something for sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, one more thing you have been, you have actually been working on. Um, I, I, I've, by the way, I feel like we're actually getting into the podcast flow where we can just talk about things. Yeah, but we uh, are already twi- 20 minutes in, 25 minutes <laughs> yeah. in. So, And we, we've not even made it through, through projects. We've not yeah. even made it into the news section. Yeah. Shit. Uh, you've been working with threaded inserts. I've been working with threaded inserts. Um, this has been on my list for a very long time, but I never really got to it. And just a couple of weeks, a viewer wrote me, hey, wouldn't it be great if you did a video on threaded inserts? And I thought, ah, come on, let's let's just purchase uh, some threaded inserts and uh, see how they perform. So I did a um, bit of research, how they are usually used, um, how they are, well, specified. So like length, knurling and everything. Yeah. Um, and I did a couple of tests on the well, pull out strength and the torque out strength of threaded inserts and compare them um, to other methods uh, that you can use to add threads into your part. So like really 3D printing model uh, threads in yeah. in parts which uh, surprisingly works really well. Only the STLs get so huge. True, um, true. And print times do increase. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it was okay, actually. Um, then like cutting threads into parts with a with a tap and um what is also often been done just like directly using a screw and put it into your 3d oh, yeah. printed part and the results are pretty interesting i haven't finished all of the tests so far i actually was hoping to release the video this week but just since everything is so busy at the moment i just i just did, didn't finish it and i hope that it will be online next weekend so look out for that. Yeah. Any any teaser, any preemptive results? Is it worth using a threaded insert in most cases? Um, so far, the results of the threaded inserts were the best, but they are oh. not really that much better than, for example, like um, 3D printing uh, threads. So depending on the application, yeah, it it depends if it's really worth using these inserts. And well, I have been purchasing mine here in Germany, and they have been pretty expensive. Um, yeah, I've been getting the Chinese ones, which probably grab less well into the plastic because the profile is a bit different on the outside. Yeah, they are so threaded inserts and um, screwing parts together is a huge topic and i won't be covering everything and i already know the comments oh why haven't you checked this and you you should have done it that way um yeah if if people are interested i'll probably make another video about how to thread parts together what is the best way um, what types of knurling uh, there can be on threaded inserts? What's the difference of long threaded inserts to short threaded inserts? What is the best temperature to use on your soldering iron for putting them into your pot? And everything which is connected to that. It's it's a huge topic. So this is a start and I think it's pretty interesting. I haven't really found any test data on that where you can like in the end say, okay, this is better than that and um, this is my application so I should use this procedure so I hope and I think people will be liking that for sure 
uh one one last question have you been using like thread adapters like what do you see with three eighth of an inch to a quarter inch uh, for the camera threads um those inserts and screwing those into yeah. a coarser thread or the the helicoil inserts yeah. um i haven't been using those these are the ones you can uh, for example also get in the um in the um, hardware store at least um where i'm living um also the threads you can the metal inserts you put into wood they might right. also be something which is really suitable for that. Um, this is something for for just another video, I think. Um, okay. Really seeing what different techniques there are and what is the best thing to use, what is the cheapest. It's huge. It's it's huge. Yeah, they're, um, they're, I need to start so somewhere. Yeah, definitely. But I have been, yeah. I have been seeing that you have also been using threaded inserts on your um, on your uh, PCB no. painting machine. Oh. Oh yes, yes. yes. I, I was I was gonna say, oh, cool transition, but this is not what we're talking about. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've I've been using just the uh, the the threaded and M three. No, originally it was M three, and then I stepped it up to like M five or something mm. um, on the pen mount, just because I uh, I screwed up the assembly on that royally. So yeah, that's that's those cheap old ones. Um, and the design wasn't made for it. I just straight drilled through 3D printed parts. So through infill and all as well. Held up decently enough. Uh, mm. Well enough for the application to clamp down a, a felt tip pen for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the other thing where I have been uh, dealing with threads is this thing that I just got ready to shoot a video on. Uh, audio listeners, I'm holding up a uh, speaker kind of shape thing. a uh, What looks like an extension tee with threads on the inside. Um, and this is this is gonna go live next week as a video as an educational three D printed speaker experimentation kit. Um, I still need to come up with a with a catchy name, preferably with like a three or a four in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've I just started designing this thing like last week, and I was like, ah, it would be cool if something like this existed. So you know, it's it's like a screw together kits that has different drivers, um, different lengths of well, speaker housing, different reflex ports with different lengths, uh, passive membranes, and you can all screw it together and combine it and it, it just makes different speakers and you can take a listen how they sound and you can learn about, you know, why a uh, port, a base reflex port is basically the same as passive membrane and why one is better than the other, um, those sort of things. So, so is it really um, for you yeah. an an educational um, like project, or do you also aim towards the guys who want to make their own audio system and like print a high toner and a subwoofer out on their own and then combine it um, however they 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 would like. So the thing with these is, um, I mean, you can make a pretty decent speaker out of these if, if you use the right drivers and all. But um, the intention, first of all, is to just being able to learn about how these things interact mm. and how they work. Um, again, it, it, if you screw them together tightly, because these are all just mm. screwed together segments, if you screw them together tightly, um, it is a really decent speaker. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea is also that you, I don't have the insert here, that you can replace one of these segments with, for example, um, a segment that has a lithium battery Bluetooth receiver and all mm. that, and you can screw that in as a segment mm. and have a Bluetooth speaker. Um, it's not really intended for that, though it can for sure be used for that. The goal is just to put something out there that, for example, if you have a workshop with, I don't know, 
12 to or 12 plus year old kids. I mean, I, I'm interested in this sort of stuff. Mm. Um, print a few of these. These are super cheap. These are, you know, plastic is, is five or 10 bucks. And the components themselves are also extremely cheap. These are like a euro per uh, driver. So you can have per participant like 15 mm. euros worth of parts. And then you can experiment with these things and just learn about how it works. And if 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 someone at home, you know, is considering, you know, learning about speakers or, or building something, printing something, this can be a prototyping solution to to just see, okay, what sort of volume do I need in my speaker? What sort of port works with this driver? Mm -hmm. What driver works better with uh, what I want? So yeah, cool. But at the moment, they are all passive. Do I see a three point five millimeter jack next yeah, to the yeah. driver? That's a cool thing, actually. Um, so these small speakers, these are like three watt speakers. You can actually drive them with your phone. You just plug in your uh, headphone to headphone cable, cable, and I mean they're, they're not the loudest, but they work. Mm -hmm. uh, you can power them off with that. But of course, you can also plug in a, a small amplifier. The thing is, though, with these three watt drivers, it's extremely easy to just blow them up uh, to give them too much power, and they're pretty sensitive when it comes to overheating. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that that can be an upgrade. Um, or an option to, to use them with. And of course, I did show that uh, DSP board that I milled out. Mm -hmm. um, that is, I mean, that that was built for this class of, of speaker. I had originally printed like a, a fixed speaker that I glued one of these in and had the base reflex port as part of the housing. Mm -hmm. And that was just, there was no modularity with that. Um, so that's why these exist. But of course, that DSP and Amplifier mm -hmm. project can also be used with these. Yeah, I think that would make a really interesting project. Um, there is like an open source alternative to the Sonos boxes out there. I don't know how it's called, where you basically strap um, an amplifier board on uh, a Raspberry Pi. The Raspberry Pi runs an oper operating system that has Wi-Fi and Bluetooth capability. And then you can set up your own speakers in a similar way than the Sonos boxes do. I don't know. Do you know that? Or do you know this I, project? I do not know about that project. Uh, isn't Sonos the one that, that got a ton of flack for like changing their, their usability in terms of service or something? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Well, the, the, the nice thing with the Sonos boxes is that they look pretty nice. You can put them anywhere and they are, they are really well, well connected to each other. So, but there is an open source project out there. If anybody knows the name of it, just put it down there. Um, you basically use a Raspberry Pi with, oh, how is the, the amplifier board, board called? Something with B. I mean, these, these, these simple amplifier boards, you can get any one of those. They're, they're pretty good. Um, uh, anyways, um, and then you, well, connect the speaker to it you could maybe even even put the raspberry pi and everything into into uh your enclosure and then you have your diy sonos box um that is way cheaper and open source <laughs> cool yeah yeah cool project um i still like my, my bluetooth headphones oh we, we don't have a gadget of the week yeah i was also we, thinking we, about that today when I it was out in the yard but i Besides a uh, a magnetic stirrer, I didn't really buy something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we should reintroduce that when we get back from Murph. Yeah. 
Right. Uh, should we move on to the news? Yes, I think. Into our first real segment. <laughs> <laughs> 41 minutes into the recording. Yeah. E3D Super Volcano. Yeah, it's out. Finally, you can buy it. So uh, for everyone who doesn't know the Super Volcano, um, there is the E3D Volcano, which is like the longer version of the heater block and the, well, you have longer nozzles. Uh, the idea behind that is that you give the material more time that it melts. So in the end, you can have more throughput of material. The Super Volcano is the volcano on steroids. So it's like twice or even three times the length it's just looks crazy and it is designed to um have a ridiculous amount of material flow out of it um if you have seen the blog post or the twitter posts from e3d you can i don't know basically put like 30 40 50 times more material through that nozzle um in comparison to a standard v6 hot end am i right there that much wow or Am I wrong there, or is it just a the, factor of ten? Yeah, I mean the, the, that sounds more like it because the uh, the heater block is only like that much longer. Um, though the the differences is not just in length; it's also in girth where it matters. No, um, it's actually copper as well instead of uh, aluminum. The standard block is just aluminum. You can get the upgraded copper block, but the super volcano is only available in copper. Do you know why this is the case? Um, for evenness and also I believe that they were thinking about like high temperature uh, applications where you do kind of need the copper though okay so we have a factor of 10 11. there sorry 11, yeah, 11 times the volumetric is what the yeah yeah that that makes a lot of sense yeah um, you, get, you do get more length of, of you get a longer heated zone mm. and you get a 1.4 millimeter nozzle uh, if you want it do you know if it's still able to use 1.75 millimeter filament or is does that yeah, only sure. okay yeah, um, and this thing would probably be able to even handle like two millimeter nozzle sizes if you put well if you are using three millimeter filament it i even with 1.75 i think it can handle it because the, the yeah. problem with the shorter ones is if you go too fast at some point you just Plop, you just plop it through and, and now it doesn't have yeah. contact anymore. Yeah, with, the, with a heater, with a zone that long, I think it does actually um, yeah. heat up 175 either way. I think that as yeah. well. Pretty, Pretty. interesting. Um, I, I have been thinking for quite a while to, to get some kind of a big printer to print out chairs and things like that. But uh, the question is always what, what kind of motion system you're using. But the Super Volcano has been on the hang printer at E3D yes. this Christmas, wasn't it? Or something uh, like that? It, I think it was a bit earlier than that, yeah. Um, they did build a hang printer with, with Torben in there, and they did use a Super Volcano prototype on that printer. And I think that is pretty much the perfect uh, motion platform. Or, let me put it the other way around. Um, the Super Volcano is the perfect hot end for the hang printer. I think the Super Volcano could definitely work on something like a CR10 uh, or a... You know that that size printer. Mm -hmm. If you want really really fast prints, <laughs> yeah, it looks really interesting. Um, but 
yeah, I use I I use a volcano hotend on like one of my zero tens, and for some applications, if you have higher layer heights, it is something that is working pretty well. And I also have the impression that layers tend to adhere better together just because the material is more uniformly melted, especially if you're uh, using higher higher feed rates. Yeah, it might not just be that it's more uniformly uniformly more. melted. It might also that it's just more heated up in general. Yeah. Um, because it had more time to dwell inside the the heated zone mm. and just by nature, it, it gets more heat transferred into it. Um, next one, Fiat has announced a 3D printable, individualizable car concept, which I think is horrendously ugly. Um, so I sure hope you can print a lot for that. <laughs> if you scroll down on the article and look at the, at the YouTube thumbnail, that thing is, God, I, I like Fiat, but this one is, ah, I don't think it, it, it looks too bad. Um, I'm also not a huge fan of the um, BMW i3 and oh I love that thing oh <laughs> oh here we go <laughs> um, I don't but think you, it, you, you drive you drive Audi so that's that's fine yeah I drive Audi no I drive a, uh, no. a, a Volkswagen well all the same <laughs> <laughs> all the same car you're just, you're just saying that because you're kind of living like five miles to the next bmw plant yeah sure sure they, they grow on trees here um, um yeah but but the, the the fiat the fiat yeah the fiat um it's it's a so, replacement or it's in the spirit of the fiat panda i think what i've heard was that right? It's this, it's the same size. It's so they're calling it the the Cento Venti, so the the one twenty, okay. um, basically the one hundred twenty. Um, they do have the five hundred and so on, and it's I guess it's the same size as the the Panda. And right now, it's is it actually? They're saying they've announced it, but is it just a? It's, it's a concept. it's a concept okay. car, yeah. But okay, so let's 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 actually get into why this is kind of relevant here. Um, what they're saying is they have 114 accessory parts uh, between sound, uh, dashboard, door, storage compartments, seating or, or padding mm -hmm. um, that you can buy or 3D print yourself. Yourself. So okay. Yourself, yeah, you can you can uh, apparently download the files for it and customize it. <laughs> um, of course, it's also an EV and it has swappable batteries and um, upgradable stuff mm. and all that jazz. But yeah, they're, they're kind of uh, it looks like they're embracing three D printing as something that people can use to customize their cars, mm. which I think is awesome. I have seen a brief video about um, the car and it has kind of a nice dashboard with lots of hole in holes in there so i think this makes it suitable for this uh, customization um the exterior parts i think are not 3d printable or are they ah oh, yeah they are multifunction oh no the armrests and things like this yeah uh it's probably a nice gimmick who knows if that's coming out? Um, the question is how many would really use that and how many would really be 
happy with the quality of these parts in the end. And if you I mean, want to have high quality printed out parts, you need SLS parts in the end. And these machines are so expensive that not well, only only few have um, access to it. And the, it's it's quite expensive to, um, well, get yourself SLS prints uh, made from well uh, shapeways or things like that. True. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe the DO ships can be integrated into this if if it's going to be a larger thing. Um, though I guess what what it allows Fiat to do is just to experiment and to see what people are going to like. Because the thing is, if you have variations mm. in a car, if you have 114 additional uh, variations. Mm. That kind of comes out to a huge mess as far as making sure everything fits together, as far as, you know, testing everything. And mm. with that, they can just say, yeah, yeah, here, customer can print this. We don't have anything to do with it. They made <laughs> it. Um, so they're, they're, you know how it is with automotive. There's a huge overhead mm. just in the simplest of things. So, yeah, it's nice. At least it's not a, hey, we 3D printed a car or we 3D printed a motorcycle yeah. uh, news headline where it's like, oh, yeah, we printed a motorcycle frame and then we mounted all standard hardware to it. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> we made a 3D printed motorcycle. Yeah, at least it's not one of those. Just nice to see. Yeah. <clears throat> Community drama. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been talking about that last uh, last podcast, which was already three weeks ago, uh, that Artillery 3D was using like pictures from, well, Tom from Film and Frenzy. Um, w to were we talking about that? Yeah, we were talking about that. We were? Okay. Yeah, my, we were my, talking about that. Uh, that was the reason why I added this right here. Um, so they were using pictures from him to advertise their printer which would have been kind of okay no there's no <laughs> which well let's okay. put it this well, way yes let's put it this way they they have been using pictures from him that he made and from parts that weren't even printed on the artillery 3d printer yeah. and that was just bad because um they didn't ask him and the parts weren't even printed on their machine so Why use them for, for advertisement? Um, so <laughs> I put this in there because, uh, at least, uh, well, they heard that they did something kind of wrong and the community wasn't happy with that. They reached out to him. They at least sent him one of their printers, um, as kind of a, um, Wiedergutmachen. How do you say in English? Uh, reimbursement. Reimbursement. Um, which, still is not making it right what they did in the first place but at least i think it's kind of a nice move from them to um yeah get him one of their 3d printers that in the future he can use it and kind of yeah true and tom is like okay it's fine we we've settled this it's all right um that's between him and artillery though What what I still kind of want to point out is that's that's something that these that these two parties kind of settled on, but mm. still artillery 3D has been misleading everyone and not just mm. Tom. Um he's the one who's I guess intellectual property, if yeah. you want to call it that. Um well it is his photos, right? Yeah. Um his stuff has been used, but overall 
everyone looking into these printers has been misled by his yep. photos being on on the wrong product. No. So that's kind of something I think artillery sh still owes to the community to at least not do it again. Um, and I think as a community, we, sh we should still po be pointing out these things and mm. not just be saying, oh, yeah, please, you know, just send the guy a printer and it's fine. You can use whatever pictures you want. No, nope. um, totally right there. Yes. Uh, um, speaking of cheap 3D printers from China, Gearbest has, uh, well, leaked? No, leaked is the wrong word. Has uh, they had a data published? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, okay so uh, go on. Yeah. Um, so it was found that Gearbest had like databases with customer data just open on the internet, and someone was able to rip all the data and to access like you know, names, addresses, orders, uh, passwords, apparently as well, though I'm hoping those were at least hashed. Um, yeah, yeah. So fairly bad security practices by Gearbest. Not that I, you know, mm -hmm. I would be surprised, but just saying, um, if you have a Gearbest account, it might be worth checking on haveibeenpwned.com, um, whether you're, Username is part of that leak. If it is, change your passwords um, and keep an eye out for suspicious activity that might involve the data that was leaked, published by Gearbest. Yeah. In in this event, I guess. Yeah. Um, I just checked a couple of well before the show. <laughs> Uh, I, I still need to check if this is the email address I was using at Gearbest. So my data wasn't in there, which I'm quite happy for. But uh, they are a really big Chinese seller of all different goods. And if, um, if you're they have to many this podcast, customers. You know who Gearbest is. <laughs> yeah. Probably many yeah. of you have already been, been purchasing something there. Or at least seeing Gearbest uh, mm. being advertised. Yeah, but this is just another point in a couple of things that happened with Gearbest over the last couple of months and years, which is making them less and less, um, how do you say, uh, um, attractive. <laughs> Here, here's the thing, though. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Gearbest, though. It, it you have to put it into perspective. Um, I don't think Gearbest as a single company is is kind of a black sheep here. Um, what I've been seeing over the last few years is that there's simply different business practices being practiced uh, when it comes to to Asia, China, Shenzhen, Hong Kong, um, versus what we're used to in like the Western mm. world, uh, Europe and, and the US. And Gearbest is not, I mean, Gearbest is not like doing anything differently or worse than, than many of the other sellers that you see. Um, when you when you look at platforms like AliExpress, you maybe deal with a single seller once or twice and then it gets lost in, in noise basically. Um, on Gearbest, you just have that one single big seller that actually sells products themselves. So, um, they tend to kind of accumulate feedback um, about them and negative feedback, of course, sticks pretty well. So I think that they're just one single lighthouse spotlight. They're, 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 um, they're just one of the um, 
companies where you actually see kind of all the things behind the scenes mm. and, and, and see a lot of things that you might not agree with. But again, it's just, I, I don't think they themselves see it as, okay, we're, we're being, we're, we're trying to be a bad company. It's just different mm. uh, practices that are, that are common. So it's just, you, you get what you pay for, right? Um, you buy from directly from a, from a Chinese company, um, though I don't want to generalize, but you buy from a low cost Chinese company and it's, it's what you get. <laughs> Not saying that it's bad. You just need to, to, to be aware of, of, uh, implications, Impl impl the implications it has. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah. Check your check your email address if you have an account at, at Gearbest at Have I Been Pond, um, and yeah, as Tom already said, change your passwords if you if you are listed there. Yeah, and I, I think that's like a general rule: just change your passwords every now and then. It doesn't hurt. <sighs> how how many accounts do you have? Do do you do you really <laughs> change passwords regularly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got like, I, I think I have like 500 passwords stored in my password manager because I use random passwords on everything. I don't reuse passwords, which is uh, which is a great practice. Uh, do you use the Google password manager or do you have? I know. No, 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 no. I'm not going to go into my, my security uh, <laughs> practices in detail here <laughs> on the podcast. Okay. Yeah. Um, one last thing in the news section as we hit the one hour mark. Um, quick update on Article 13 on, well, Article 13 and 11, which are the two kind of uh, rough ones in the Europe or EU copyright reform. Um, new comment from our, our you know, all beloved uh, Axel Voss, the, the guy uh, who's basically Europe's, what's the FCC guy? Pajai, something? The guy with a giant uh, Reese's mug um, that everyone likes to hate on. He's he, Axel Voss is basically the equivalent of him. A new statement by him is basically, hey, you know, if YouTube is like a platform that uh, enables copyright infringement, then, you know, that platform probably shouldn't exist. So, who? <laughs> he has actually, I think, been stating that YouTube is basically based on copyright infringement oh, yeah, yeah, if yeah. a copyright infringement wouldn't be possible there won't be any youtube so though the, the thing the thing he also does not understand is he's i mean he's rightfully saying so everything on on youtube is like copyright protected material that is uploaded there so we need to stop it which is correct because every single piece of art and every single piece of content is copyright protected but some people like me and you voluntarily upload their stuff to YouTube or to other platforms and say, hey, yeah, please share this in my name. Please, please distribute it. That is something that is a valid use case of these platforms. Um, and yes, that there are quite serious implications if this uh, copyright reform goes through on uh, to protest this. Uh, Wikipedia Germany will actually go black on March 21st. Um, I am seriously considering taking my entire channel offline for the day as well, because this could, uh, I mean, this could end my YouTube career, basically. Yeah. Um, I will need to take my forum offline. Uh, there will be other things that we've not even seen coming yet that, that will just not be possible anymore. Please, guys, if you're in Europe at all, if you're in Germany, uh, especially 
on March 23rd, there is the the big day of demos and and protests all over the country. Um, just just go to one. It's a you guys are listening a pod, to a podcast on the internet. Even this podcast might have to disappear because the platforms we're hosting it on might not be able to exist anymore. So it's something that you should all care about. Um, yeah, don't don't let this happen. Well Please. said. <laughs> yeah, March 23rd. Um, I will be in Munich at the demo. Perfect. So, yes, uh, if, if anyone wants to meet up there and go as a as a group and, and chat and hang out, you're welcome. Let me know on Twitter if you're going to be there. <laughs> no handshakes, <Cool>. though. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Backpats. Backpats exclusively. You have suggested a really interesting topic of the week. Um, yes. Get rich quick with 3D printing. Now with Stefan and Tom. Since we both already are rich. Oh yeah, we, we're swimming in cash. <laughs> are, are, are we? Are, I, I, all that, all, are, are you? I'm, I'm not. Are you though? All that gear best money. Oh yeah, shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, th but that's just the part don't of the story. Don't get me riled up on that because I, I, I could actually be rich. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm not. <laughs> Maybe... <laughs> Don't let's go into that topic for the yeah. moment. So um, you've <laughs> been suggesting business opportunities with 3D printing and making, and that just uh, that does not only involve uh, well being a YouTuber and sharing your content there and earning a couple of bucks there. Um, it's it's oh, everything. Don't call us YouTubers. We're influencers, man. Oh yeah, creators. We're, we're, we're KOL, key online leaders. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, that has become my new favorite business line. Okay, word. haven't heard that so far. Well, yeah. yeah, so um, there <laughs> are many possibilities you can make money with 3D printing. And a couple of years ago, something really common was you have a 3D printer at home, you print parts for other people and you earn a couple of bucks at that time 3d hubs was still around and many were using it i think you also have been on I there a few printers listed for a while but yeah um mixed results with that but before 3d hubs actually um i mean one of the core ideas of the RepRap project was you um get one parts uh, one one part for yourself and you print two more you print one for yourself for spares and you print one to give away or two to give away, depending on, on which interpretation you look at. Um, and give away, of course, turns into you sell it on eBay. Um, <laughs> that was a was a genuine uh, way of making money off of 3D printers in the early days. Now there's like no margin left because, of course, more people are pushing into it. Um, but yeah, back then, like a set of, of Prusa I3 parts or Prusa I2 parts, I guess, were being sold for like 120 euros. Mm -hmm um mediocre print quality so that's that's a pretty good margin i'd say that's something you can you can definitely make a few bucks and, and um, i actually know a couple of people who yeah made quite some money there just take a look at the time when fidget spinners were all around yeah. and one guy at the school had a 3d printer and was printing fidget spinners for everybody and earning quite a bit of money. Um, so I actually made a video on how to quote 3D prints like uh, one and a half years ago or something like that. 
which because I also had the need to calculate the cost for a 3D print I wanted to sell. And I just thought, okay, it's an interesting topic, topic shared there. And I still regularly get comments on that video on, oh, what is the best method to make uh, money with 3D printing? And in my opinion, if you have a 3D printer at home, it's, yeah, it's too late. In my opinion, yeah. there are rarely any cases still around where you can still make like tons of money with your own semi-professional or hobby 3D printer. Because it's, it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like the, the gold rush kind of scenario. Yeah. Not the one who goes out digging for gold or, or panning for gold is the one who gets rich, but the one who's selling the shovels. <laughs> um, is that, that, that's the saying, right? That's something. Yeah. Um, so if you if you get a 3D printer now, um, probably selling parts or selling printed parts, especially on eBay, again, it's it's going to be so much work unless you have literally nothing better to do with your time, then it's probably not worth it. So 3D Hubs. Um, 3D Hubs has, has recent, well, recently, a few months ago, um, done a pretty drastic change. So they used to be open for anyone to just list their printer and their materials and what they could handle and let them get... Uh, jobs in through their platform but now 3d hubs requires uh, their hubs their their, their printer pr print providers to be an actual business um, everyone needs a vat id um, which means you have to be a business and not just a small business you have to be a business that pays uh, value added value added tax on your sales so and that's something that you can do as a as a business, and I don't think it makes sense to register a business just to be in 3D hubs, at least at this moment. I actually also don't think they're taking applications at the moment for new hubs. <laughs> I think they're saying, hey, we're we actually we're good, we're full. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Um I about a year ago I, I did try 3D hubs. Um I did list a few printers with PLA and ABS and all those. Um, but I priced my prints you know to, to a point where i'm like okay if i get a print that is crazy and that takes a ton of effort then i then the, the price i'm charging caters to that and covers that and as it turned out because it was charging rather high prices uh people were giving me those crazy prints and almost all of them were too crazy to print uh they either required you know full encasement in pva dissolvable support material or we're trying to do like super fine details that he can't that he physically mm -hmm. can't do in an ftm printer um yeah so 3d hubs for me is still either you go in cheap and you just go through volume and you have a super optimized process mm -hmm. for printing things or you just don't do it mm -hmm. yeah same with me so um it's 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 too common at the moment everyone can buy him or herself an endo three for 200 bucks and also make pretty decent prints yeah if if they are able to create a design they should also be able to handle a 3d printer what do you mean um i mean if you can use a CAD software, you should also be able to use a 3D printer. Like, um, oh, oh, yeah, okay, I, I see what you mean. You don't see, you don't mean people buying a printer and then offering it. You mean people who design things and need 3D prints do it just, just on their own. A 3D printer, yeah. okay, yeah, 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 for so, sure, for sure. I, I think this is nothing really that um, anybody 
should be doing at the moment. There's still some rare cases where this does make sense, but most of the time, um, as you have yes. also already said, it just doesn't uh, really make sense anymore. Um, another opportunity, design or design your own parts and put them on My Mini Factory. Um, my, my Mini Factory has been establishing to a, a platform that um well same as uh, thingiverse can be used to share your own designs but also uh well i you are also able to sell them there so you can make money with the the designs you put on there and there are um some some really nice designs for uh figurines but also mechanical parts that you can purchase there and i think it's totally fine to charge for uh, one of your designs yeah if that's if your design is unique and not yeah. just something you downloaded and re-uploaded uh then yeah it's art after all it's um considering if you know the, the amount of time and material etc you, you you spending on a print uh, if you want something unique something nice something functional i don't know there's a bunch of different designs on, on my mini factory um and other platforms you know, spending a dollar here or there is is totally fine. Um, by the way, My Mini Factory is one of them. Um, there's also, for example, Gumroad, which mm. Angus uses to, to sell his stuff. Um, yeah. And I th That's something yeah. you can do. And I think it's it's good that people can charge money for their designs there because it kind of motivates them to spend more time on designs because they well they get something for the time they, they they are spending so you end up with unique 3d printable designs that probably wouldn't wouldn't have been there if they would not have been make uh, if they would not have been able to make money with it in the first place yeah absolutely and i, I believe that's like the entire reason why my mini factory exists mm. and why they have like designers on site etc yeah um personally for me um i have never charged for design i don't think i ever will um simply because of patreon support and mm -hmm. because uh, there are people already supporting my work so i tend to give everything away uh, including like the speaker design and stuff um it's just gonna go up for free but not everyone is in that very fortunate position um mm -hmm. to, to be to be completely honest here uh to have yeah, people directly supporting you just for the work overall you do so yeah um that's design so not only can that be like uh, here's a cool vase or here's a cool uh statuette that you can print but also functional stuff um that's something where i think having a good quality design matters mm -hmm. a lot um <laughs> funnily enough uh now that i'm thinking about it the like top rated accessories and, and and functional stuff print on thingiverse is still that battery holder that has like the a plus or a2 <laughs> or something on it which literally does not work you fill it up with batteries batteries and it jams you take one out none come out it's a non-functional print but because it looks cool yeah it's done the top ranked so print uh, on there. guys m make a better design and maybe you can get a couple of bucks from that Yeah, you can see people are, are totally interested in having a battery holder. Mm. I would be too. So that could be something yeah. to start with. Next point on the list. Um, I've put, well, since I'm also an engineer in kind of the 3D printing industry. Um, yeah, you can get a job in the 3D printing industry and 
earn your money there. Um, 3D printing has been becoming a tool that is more and more used in the industry, not only for really manufacturing parts, but also for manufacturing jigs and tools for internal processes in, in companies. And there are, yeah, there are usually uh, job openings um, available in, in different companies who are tackling the problem and who are looking for people who have lots of experience uh, in that regard. Yeah. Um And this is this is specifically in contrast to being self-employed yep. and, and trying to offer out uh, consulting services or, or other stuff. Um, this is actually going to a company and working for them, being full-time employed. Um, though I guess that does come with a with a little bit of a disclaimer. Um, just because you, you bought yourself a 3D printer <laughs> doesn't mean you you can like you know. No, be be the the head of of additive, mm. the head of additive manufacturing for you know whatever company. No, unless you're like really good at selling yourself. I'm not taking that <laughs> out of the question. But if you, I guess it's also imposter syndrome for in a bit. Um, people probably know more than they think they do if you, if they reach a certain level of knowledge. Um, but yeah, you do need a bit of of in depth knowledge about why certain things work the way they do to actually you know be a good fit and and to to qualify for working as an additive specialist <laughs> <laughs> well said um the next point is kind of well connected to especially you and me at least um oh, you're getting there a little bit i'm getting there um making money with 3d printing via youtube um yeah This is a huge topic and I have already been thinking about, well, dedicating a special topic of the week for, is it still worth, worth starting a 3D printing YouTube channel? <laughs> um, but I mean, you, you can show on any platform you want, whether it's YouTube or, or a blog or, or Twitter, as long as you dump enough affiliate links on there, it's sure. Yeah. <laughs> so YouTube or any other platform um yes it is still a way to earn money with 3d printing you're doing that i'm doing that for part of my income um we are mostly earning it with our views our patreons and not only with affiliate links so there are kind of two ways how you how you can how you can earn money on youtube with 3d printing one is creating good content and well getting a little bit paid by youtube uh, and you have your patreons and the other way which is um i don't really like that but just doing reviews and praising every 3d printer and anything which is shilling. connected there shilling yeah. and making tons of money with affiliate sales though okay here's the thing um that does work in a few instances um And there's a fine line to walk where people are going to believe you and where they're just going to go like, oh, well, dude, especially more, as it becomes more well-known that, hey, if actually, if people actually buy this stuff through the links, then you do get, with Gearbest, like 10, 15% of the revenue. So um, the, I think I think that's, that's what we both have been doing on YouTube is to, to build value mm. first, to have... Uh, content that people actually care about and that's not just being pushed in their face um, and to build trust 
So that's that that first phase that actually doesn't pay a lot. Um, <laughs> just just gonna say it. Um, YouTube is gonna be a rough start mm-hmm. um, unless you immediately land like a, a viral video, um, which is kind of random. Um, you don't have a lot of control over that. <laughs> and yeah, I, but but I think that that's the more solid way of of going about it is uh, putting value as in mm-hmm. guides as in uh what you're doing investigations into okay threaded inserts into uh what is the best way to to use infill on this part etc etc to to put that Mm -hmm. out there and then that you know that's also what people are going to reward with patron support Mm -hmm. um because if you just go out there and review one printer after the other and go like oh yeah this is this is best one i i take out of box and it, it prints uh, fantastic machine, ten out of ten. Um, please buy with a Gearbest link. If you just do that, I. By the way, I wasn't doing any specific uh, accent there. This was just random uh, show voice. Um, if you're just doing that, then yeah, you might get like ten or fifteen thousand views on yeah. on your first Ender three unboxing, but that's going to be it. Like there's no there's no continuation of that. The next channel is going to come around and do the same mm-hmm. thing, and they're going to get the views now. So. Yeah, that's a that's a rather mm. slow process to actually build a channel. Yeah, for me, it took five years to get to where I'm now. <laughs> yeah, and you and you I'm, still had you still had the you still started at a time when there weren't that many other channels around, even though the content you made there and still today is great and re- it really is adding value to the community. Um, I think at the moment, if you start a random 3D printing channel and do the same thing as a thousand other ones are doing it's gonna be hard and probably you won't get there you won't get to the point where it's really sorry rewarding um but if you find your niche um and if if you're doing things differently or better than other ones it's still a way to go and it's still possible to earn your living with with youtube even though it might be a rough start and you won't be able to support you in the end yeah sure um the 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 niche approach uh is definitely the one that is a bit more risky i guess but in the long well i want to say more risky but it's not going to have that immediate payoff um but as we've seen with weird niche channels like what's inside or the hydraulic press channel or (laughs) you know just lock picking channels um just doing one topic really well that nobody has done before that is kind of uh that that can take off if if you if you really master that recipe well i i am actually kind of in the same position if i would have just done 3d printer reviews and printing fidget spinners and stuff like that i wouldn't be at the point where i am now i found for myself the niche for like engineering 3d printing material tests and things like these which still at the moment you are kind of the 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 only other youtuber who who's doing tests and and investigations in kind of a similar way and this enabled me to grow to the point where i am today if i would not have done that i i'm quite sure that i wouldn't be doing youtube at the moment yeah um cool but that is a topic that we can talk about for hours obviously um one thing that you probably should not do and that you that nobody should have ever done i think (laughs) well some some people were 
write about it is to kickstart a 3d printer it's the 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 most beloved topic of hey make money quick uh when it comes to 3d printing everyone seems to do it and at least now it's like it's a recipe for disaster it's an absolute (laughs) recipe for disaster because you're just competing for the lowest price and typically kickstarters are not a a you know you lose money with a Kickstarter you don't make any money mm-hmm. out of all the sales and then you, you actually go into the phase where you, where you earn some stuff if your business then still exists so right now Kickstarting a printer unless it's like super unique and super mod, well progressive new features whatever and even then it is so much work to get that not just built of course building one is easy mm-hmm. but building. 1500 of the same thing reliably that's quite a challenge that is that is not not an easy feat and then doing logistics then doing uh you know certifications so you can actually sell the damn thing um especially in europe with ce and um what's the other stuff yeah fcc in the u.s all the emissions uh you know most kickstarter 3d printers are not legal to uh well I don't want to say sell because it's it's in bringen, uh, technically. <laughs> it's uh, to bring into circulation. So yeah, uh, designing a pro- a physical product that is more than just, I don't know, an, an herb grinder that you print or mill somewhere. Um, you know, an actual electronic device, there's so much attached to it just from an engineering standpoint, from a business standpoint, and from a, uh, shit, what was the last one? <laughs> whatever there's there's so much involved in it don't do it however what you can do if you have the time to um start a business that actually has a product is you can get into filament branding um a lot of companies these days um that are offering filaments have possibly never even seen their own filament um Here's the thing, because many, many companies now offer like a full white label program where uh, you just call up the rep of the company. You say, hey, you guys are making filament, right? They go, yeah, sure. What would you like? And they have um, support with like designing your packaging, um, support you with picking colors, materials. Uh, you can ship it off to Amazon fulfillment directly. You you don't you never have to touch a spool of filament. You don't have to do any QA. You just get the same filament everyone else has. You put your label on it. You market it, and there you go. Easy. <laughs> so why haven't you started? No, no, yet? no seriously. I've yeah. I've thought about doing this as well. It's just you know it's a bit of work to 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 get it all started. But it's like a, it's a very low risk thing you can do. Uh, hit up MCPP if if you uh, if you're interested in that. Um, all the info on that is actually on their website. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what many many of the filament brands are these yeah. days, and there's not a lot, really not a lot involved in it. Yeah, but still, since the competition over the last years grew and grew, um, you have to do quite good marketing to make a substantial. Uh, you make to make substantial money from that. So uh, I, I don't really recommend that everyone is now running out, contacting MCPP and making their own filament labels. But I mean, if you're if you're looking for something to do, that could be <laughs> that could be a you know a niche or a, an opportunity you can get into. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, I I think that concludes this. If you guys have any other great ideas how to make money with 3D printing, put them down in the comments. <laughs> I'm happy yeah. to hear them. The the get rich phase is definitely over. Yeah. It's it's get 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 like average wealthy in a mm. long time. <laughs> Neither me than you, since we are both earning our money with 3D printing, drive a Ferrari or live in our own mansion. So No, yeah. I, I drive a, a used almost two hundred thousand kilometer car. Like <laughs> sure. <laughs> ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah <sighs> cool um yeah i mean earn, earning money is, is, a, is a huge topic not not everyone is comfortable talking about it um i'm just gonna end it at hey it's taken me like three years of full-time youtubing um trying to do a good job trying to add value trying to to provide value out there and i'm about at the point where i'm making as much as if i had just stayed in my job Yeah, one um, of the reasons why I still didn't go full time, and probably yeah, won't be doing it in the future. I' gonna go part time in a couple of weeks, but not full time. Yeah, well, though for, for you, part time is like a, <laughs> a, a, a bit of a bit of time extra, maybe for 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 doing YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So I guess next time we're gonna be seeing each other is uh, on the way to Murph. So next episode of the podcast will also be recorded there. I hope if we, if we still have voices, uh, <laughs> of course, that's a, that's a requirement. Um, and with that, I would say, what, what, what do we say? Subscribe on, on Apple podcast. Oh yeah. Podcast? I totally forgot to, to, to uh, say that in the beginning um, we have, well, we have been on iTunes forever. Um, but we are now also listed on Google Podcast and Spotify. So if you guys yeah. have Spotify, you can find us there and you can um, yeah, download and stream our podcast uh, from Spotify. There are also two more platforms coming up, but I didn't get any response so far. But I think Spotify was the most requested platform that we yeah. haven't been uh, on. Google Podcast is still a bit buggy, right? Where you actually have to download the episode streaming. Yes. For some reason, it doesn't work through Google Podcast. So just hit download and it's going to play. Yep. Sweet. All right, Stefan. Then I'd say uh, thanks for taking the time and uh, thank you all for watching or listening. And we will see you all in the next one. Yeah. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>